Oh, hi there. You found it again. This is the Great Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Weber, and you have found a long format interview show where I sit down uh, with somebody I know, maybe someone I don't know, but we all get to know them a lot better. Uh, We hear about their life, we hear about their struggles, their history, their relationship. Most of all, we hear about how they came to know Christ and what that's meant uh, in their life. Uh, It's a joy to record these shows. I'm so glad you're listening. You can follow The Great Stories Podcast on Facebook at The Great Stories Podcast. Uh, Also on Instagram, the same name, Great Stories Podcast. You can listen for free online at Apple Podcast or on Stitcher. Just search for The Great Stories Podcast, of course. And if you hear something you like here and you want to support what uh, what we're trying to do, kick a few bucks down our way. Uh, let me do more interviews more often. There's a little bit of cost when you do something like this. And uh, anything helps. You can go to patreon.com and, of course, search for The Great Stories Podcast. Uh, and if you would like to be on the show or you know anyone you think would be good for me to interview, shoot me an email. And that's at the great stories podcast at gmail.com uh, today i got to sit down with uh, a gal that i've known for a while a lady goes by the name of jennifer Haya. she is uh, a bay area california native uh, she's a military veteran she was a, a, a military medic she's also a former children's ministry director uh, she's a mother of twins she's a wife and uh it was really amazing just to hear her story. I knew many parts of it, but there's a lot of stuff I learned today. Uh, and this woman is amazing. Uh, I admire so much about her, her heart, her strength, um, how she uh, dealt with the loss of her brother a couple years ago, and just how that's reframed in her mind what real Christian community looks like. Um, it was a blessing to talk to her. I hope that you enjoy listening to the interview as much as I enjoyed recording it. So check it out. Here we go. So, Jen Haya, mm-hmm. welcome to my little house. Thank you. This is your first time here? Yes. Very exciting. <laughs> what do you think so far? It's kind of weird for like. I mean, it's a tiny. It's a tiny house. It is a tiny. It's house. a tiny house, but there's only you, so it makes sense. Just me and the dog. Yeah. It works good for a single guy. Mm-hmm. Even though I've had like parties here with a hundred people in the yard and one bathroom, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the campfires and everything. So how's your Thursday going so far? It's going good. Started off with some small group this morning and. Um, just the value of community, just every single time that I get together with other sisters in Christ, I see the reason why, um, you know, we are encouraged by our community. We walk with community. It's a real value. How long have you led a small group? Um, so it's been on and off. Uh, I think I started leading my own group in, um, I believe it was 2014. Yeah. And, um, I've been in and out. Sometimes I would lead and then sometimes I would take a step back. Yeah. Um, and then last year I uh, decided just to apprentice because I started my grad school program. Yeah. And I learned a lot under uh, Danielle Gray. So she's uh, great. She is awesome. <laughs> and uh, then I knew also because we started to go to Hayward, the Hayward yeah. plant full time, um, that it was time to start 
a women's MC in Hayward and cool. the women that God has brought into our group. Oh, it's just amazing. Is it a big group? Um, no, it's not. I have, um, right now we had five today and it's just the right amount of, um, just the right amount of women that I feel like I can really focus yeah. and really pour into each of them. And, you know, all of us have these weird way, like our paths in life have sim- so many similarities hmm. and it's just so helpful to know, you know, somebody's been through this before. Yeah. Um, and we get to walk together because sometimes this world sucks. No kidding. <laughs> Dude. I know. I, I always think about like, wouldn't it be great if like everything was just perfect all the time and everyone was nice to each other and like my car got broken into last week. So I'm like, man, I wish things like this didn't happen and stuff yeah. like that. And then you start to realize, well, wait a minute. I'm just describing like heaven. <laughs> Shoot. Exactly. I guess I got to wait then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Jen, let's let's go back in time. Okay. To a, a day long, long ago when little little Jen... Uh, Sombrano popped out of the womb. (laughs) 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 Like start there and just tell me, tell me like your, your upbringings. Yeah. So, um, my parents, they are originally from the Philippines Okay. and they, uh, immigrated here in the late seventies. Um, I believe that there was a call for a need for accountants and my dad was an accountant. So, um, he and my Hmm. mom, they immigrated here with my older brother um, in 77, I believe. And I, uh, entered the world in 79. Um, I was born in Redwood city at the Redwood city Kaiser. Get out. Yes. I was born in the Redwood city Kaiser. Shut up. But 1982. Ah, okay. So, so yes. you were, you were the warm up. Yes. And then I came. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Kaiser, Kaiser Redwood city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I've, um, I was born and raised here. Um, pretty much grew up in the Bay area all my life. Um, and, uh, my parents moved to the East Bay in probably 1980. Um, there was like home developing that was happening over in Fremont. So Fremont was actually the first city that they bought a home in. Um, and then we moved to Union City, uh, probably when I was a teenager. Okay. But I've been in this area all my life, except for when I joined the military and moved away for a little bit. Ooh. Yeah. All right, we'll put that on the list of things to talk about. We'll come back <laughs> come back to the military thing. Yeah. I forgot about that. I have, I have a list of things that I want to know about you, so that, that's on there now. So you, so you had a house in Redwood City, or they, they were you were there, and then you moved to Fremont. Well, actually, 80? so my, my parents actually, when they first immigrated, they were living in South San Francisco. Okay. Eventually, Daly City. And I think Redwood Kaiser, I actually don't know why they had me all the way down in Redwood Kaiser. Because yeah, there's a Kaiser up that way, too. Yeah, I have no uh-huh. idea how that happened. Okay. Um, but then, uh, yeah, they bought one of the first neighborhoods that was being built in Ardenwood. They bought a house there. Oh, cool. It's the um, all the streets that are named after Shakespeare characters. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we lived on Casio Circle. Ooh. Yeah. That's cool. And, See, I think of the watch instead of the oh, yeah. Shakespeare Casio. Yeah. Um. And then, uh, yeah, middle school, we moved to, we moved to Union City. So I attended um, what what used to be known as New Haven Middle School, but now okay. is CCMS, which you've done a lot of yeah. work with them. You went to Cesar Chavez. I went to Cesar Chavez. Oh my Chavez. gosh, I didn't know that either. This yeah. is great. Okay. So I went there all four years of middle school, and then I went to Logan um, my high school years. Wow. 
So you're you're like you're as East Bay native as it gets, really. Yes. Like you're old school. Both myself Literally. and my husband Irwin. Yeah. <laughs> old school. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So what was it like growing up around here? Um, it was actually a lot of fun. There was like a really huge, um, uh, huge Filipino community. Yeah. I had a lot of uh, extended family members um, living in the area. So it felt like it always felt like home to me. Um, I actually, you know, joke with my parents that, you know, I don't really have any curiosity to go back to the Philippines, hmm. even though I probably should. Oh, no. <laughs> I just feel I feel very American. <laughs> yeah. 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 You seem it. Yes. <laughs> like you don't seem like a like a transplant or anything. I don't know. Yeah. I yeah, I I've, I've been in the same area. Yeah, I was born in Redwood City mm-hmm. and I moved to Newark in uh I think 2003. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, this is as I guess neither of us are very adventurous really. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go anywhere else. I kind of like it here. The weather's nice. <laughs> If you want to know things about other cultures, just wait in a minute and then they'll come by and they'll yes. feed you and like tell you all about like you stay here. Yeah, I mean like grow, growing up here, you are exposed to so many different cultures. Yeah. Um so it was it's I think moving away uh when I went to the military was mm. when I realized that not all parts of America are like the Bay Area. Yeah. Yes. It's weird. Uh-huh. I I've I've gone to several other states. Mhm. And then I, I end up usually pausing for a second and being like, wait a second. Like, everyone's white. <laughs> Where is everybody? Like, this is weird. <laughs> like, okay, I guess, yeah, it's not like this everywhere else. I don't even think about it. I, I always, like, pridefully boast that, like, I I was raised colorblind because there's everything. Like, there is no real, like, dominant, like, majority of any kind of race around here mm-hmm. so i'm just like I, I didn't even think about it until later on it's like wow i guess yeah <laughs> like there's places where everyone's the same like it's weird yeah like penguins <laughs> <laughs> it's funny uh so tell me a little bit about like high school how, what was that like for you how, how did uh how did logan treat you um so yeah logan was just the same kind of um cultural melting pot um i think you know, growing up, like you said, like I was, I, my group of friends, we were pretty, we were pretty colorblind. You mm. know, I, I had um, friends of all cultures. And then you kind of realize as you get older, you start to gravitate toward people that have a similar cultural background. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, growing up in high school, I had, you know, many Filipino friends, although I had like all kinds of friends. Um, especially when you are participating in things like the extracurricular activities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, you know, I, I, I gravitated towards, you know, the Filipino kids, um, because they understand, there's this, just this understanding of, uh, growing up being Filipino American Hmm. and having your parents, you know, who grew up with Filipino culture, right. Coming to the United States and, just kind of that 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 push and pull of what it is to be American and Filipino. Yeah. Um. And 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 Catholic. I mean, Catholicism was a huge part of being right. Filipino for me. Right. What language did they speak um, at, at home? So uh, my parents they speak um, Tagalog fluently, or okay. it's known as Filipino now. But when I was growing up, it was known as Tagalog. <laughs> I didn't know they changed that. Yeah, really. They, 
I think they changed it probably in the last 20 years. They started oh. calling it Filipino officially. That's funny. Yeah. So it, wait, is like Tagalog like a more general term? Um, or Yeah. So, so actually there are so many dialects in the Philippines. Yeah. And I don't even know if you can actually call it a dialect because, you know, this is an argument that my dad makes all the time is, <laughs> you know, he grew up speaking a language that uh, when he went to, so he, he actually grew up in the southern province, provinces of the Philippines. Okay. Um, he was a farm boy. And then he went to college in Manila, which is like a huge metropolitan area. And he had to learn a whole new language in order to huh. attend college there. So he grew up speaking um, something called Visayan, which is a, a different dialect. And then he had to learn Tagalog when he started going to college. And they all also learned English wow. because the U.S. had control of the Philippines right. for a period of time. So he's at least trilingual. Yeah, he's definitely trilingual. Wow. Maybe even, I mean, he knows Spanish, too, because so much of Tagalog right. has Spanish influence in it. Well, that's like your name, Sombrano. Like yes. That, that sounds like a old world, like Spaniard kind of mm -hmm. Spanish name. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he and, uh, and my mom, she she speaks Tagalog. And when they're at home, you know, and, and no, they speak they speak Tagalog to me, too. I completely understand it, but I'm terrible at speaking it back. That's interesting. I, I hear that a lot where people like they can understand more like mm -hmm. you can understand oh, i know what you're talking about but to produce it is like a different gear or yeah. of fluency or whatever and my, my parents say my accent's horrible <laughs> <laughs> i uh so i took spanish mm -hmm. in high school like three years of spanish and then a fourth one in college and i got i got to the point where i i would lose my accent like i could i could reproduce the you know the proper way to say it in mm -hmm. spanish good enough to almost fool uh, native speakers but that would get me in trouble because then they would stay like oh he speaks spanish let's go and they would just start and i'd be like whoa, whoa, whoa okay sorry like never mind i no, no hablo espanol <laughs> like, <laughs> he's looking at me like i'm crazy i'm like i'm sorry <laughs> so now i just stick to the charades <laughs> we're not gonna <laughs> um so dig into a little bit more about like uh the whole decision to go into the military and all that. When did that happen for you? Um, so I think it was in high school. Um, so I have an older brother who is about six years, six years ahead of me. And, um, you know, my parents, they, they had some, you know, financial difficulties. And so when my older brother was going to college, uh, there was like a point, I think it was my junior year in high school where my dad, you know, kind of, he was just honest with me and he said, you know, um, I see that you're sending out for all of these pamphlets to go away to like a college and hmm. and and all of that. And um, I just wanted to let you know that it's going to be a little bit difficult. We don't have much money. Wow. Um, and then, you know, I, I was kind of bummed out about that and trying to figure out, like, am I going to have to take out school loans? You know, go this in is debt. Like early 90s, right? Uh when, when well, was I'm your... not that old. <laughs> this was like 96, okay. 97 okay. around. Yeah, because I graduated in 97. So college was getting pretty expensive. Yes. About then. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, I remember one day this recruiter uh, called my house um, and he was Filipino and he was using his little Filipino connection. Yeah. Um, and I was just kind of like, 
okay, this guy wants to talk to me. I wonder, you know, what this is all about. And he was just like, what are your, what are your dreams? What are the things that you want to do? And, and I remember um, in sixth grade, I had this substitute teacher who uh, ended up becoming my eighth grade teacher and then ended up marrying my cousin. That's a whole other funny Whoa. story. But I remember he, in sixth grade, he showed us slides of his um, summer backpacking through Europe. Um, he did it right after he graduated Cal. Okay. Um, and I remember at like at the age of 12, I was like, I want to do that. I want to see Europe. You know, that's like one going to be one of my bucket list goals. Yeah. And, um, you know, I told the recruiter when I was 17, I was like, oh, I want to see Europe. That's one of my big dreams. And I also want to go to college. And he was like, how, what if I told you that the army can make both of those things happen? And I was like, huh. really? You know, and he goes, we, you know, you it's can. a good recruiter. Yeah. All your dreams. Yeah. He's Come. like. I can, I, you know, we can make that happen. You can um, be trained in a job. You can uh, travel the world and yeah. we'll pay for college. And I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds so cool. Sweet deal. And, and I, I remember I was, I was actually with my, um, I was dating my husband at the time. Oh yeah. And I said to him, you know, what do you think about me joining the military? It's only four years. And he was like, well, you know, I'm not going to stand in your way if that's what you want to do, you know? Wow. So, um, and then I remember I told my parents that I was thinking of enlisting and this was like the summer of my junior year. Okay. Um, and they were just kind of like, well, you know, if you, <laughs> if you enlist, I mean, you're, you're going to be 18. There's nothing that we can do. Um, I just, I, I don't remember anybody outright telling me no, but I kind of remember everybody saying like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, huh? Uh, so I enlisted that summer and I already knew the rest of my senior year while everybody was, you know, taking SATs and preparing for um, applying for colleges. Right. I was just chillaxing, Chill. just ah. waiting for my my date to leave for boot camp. And wow. I was I was scheduled to leave exactly 10 days after graduation. Not bad. Yeah. What was the process to get in then? Like, what did you have to do? You have um, to run 10 miles with a 50 pound whatever. Or... So uh, to actually get in um, was pretty much just you have to you had to pass the asvab test asvab um that sounds cool that as i don't even remember <laughs> what it stands for anymore that's like a huge acronym asvab mm -hmm. asvab it's so it, it when you take the asvab it actually will tell you what military jobs you are qualified for whoa and um so then they told me um here are the jobs that you're qualified for and i looked at the list and i was like oh okay well um i'll sign up to be a combat medic you know because I was like, maybe I can use these medical skills somewhere later in life. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I took the ASVAB. I qualified to be a medic. And then it's pretty much at that point, you just have to bat pass basic training. And that's that, um, you know, eight eight weeks of, yeah. you know, hell on earth. <laughs> yeah. Boot camp. Yeah. Oh. A lot of running. Yes. Yes. Not Not much sleep. No kind of weird food. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, just this whole um, you you pretty much die to yourself <laughs> in that process. <laughs> you know, you're learning to to stop living for yourself and learning how to work together with yeah. your platoon. Right. Or your squad, you know, and you, you realize like you're not you, you don't you're, you're making it t through together. Yeah. Yeah. Where'd you do it? Uh, I was at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri for basic. Okay. And then um, 
after you do your your eight weeks of basic training, you are sent to do your advanced training in the um, military specialty, which is for me it was uh, uh, medic school. Yeah. And medic school was in um, Fort Sam Houston um, near San Antonio, Texas. So then I had another ten weeks of training um, in Texas before I got my first duty station. So ten weeks, and they're like, "Go, yeah, go fix people." Um, well, <laughs> yes and no. So, like, as as a medic, um, you could be stationed anywhere. You could be stationed in a hospital. Um, okay. You could be stationed uh, in, you know, infantry, but not women. Not w- women were not allowed to be in infantry units right. at the time. I right. don't know if that's changed yet or not. I I think they are now. Okay. Yeah. Some. Yeah. Um, yeah, because at, at that time women weren't allowed on front lines. Right. And then, um, but you could also be in like support, support battalions that are actually, you know, in the field. Yeah. And so my first duty station was called, um, what, what was known as a forward support battalion. Okay. Meaning, um, my unit would be the ones that would, uh, be not on the front lines, but close by. So if they're bringing casualties back from the front lines, right. we're setting up these like mini mini hospitals and aid stations or that's i mean in a in a warfare kind yeah. of situation that's was, that's what we would do were we fighting anybody in the late 90s um so at the time we were deploying out to uh i think we were no i don't think we were in the gulf anymore kosovo somewhere but yeah kosovo bosnia yeah kosovo didn't happen until 99 but okay. uh bosnia was was happening at the time so were you involved in any of that yes um Ooh, where'd you go so my First deployment was in Bosnia in the summer of 1998. Okay. Um, wow. And then the second summer of 99, I was deployed to uh, Albania. Um, and it was part of like the Kosovo campaign. Right. Uh, because I guess Slobodan Milosevic attacked. That guy. Yeah. Man. <laughs> I don't remember much of that except he just had the weirdest name. And yeah. You heard it every day. Slobodan like, Milosevic. He's the Slobodan guy. Man. <laughs> So did you uh, did you heal people or like what what kind of action did you see over there? So I'm curious about this. So uh, one of the things that we had to do at the camp that we were at in Bosnia, we um, worked the aid station. Okay. Um, so you know, like normal complaints, like minor injuries and sickness, they would come see us, and so we would treat patients alongside doctors and physicians' assistants, hmm. um, and. Also, I remember one of my jobs was if they had like even an even more serious injury where they would need to go to a hospital, we would have to drive them um, to another camp where there was a hospital. Okay. Because we didn't have like x-ray machines and we couldn't do, you know, surgery or anything like that. Yeah. Well, you're out in the middle of who knows where. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be doing major surgery. No, not at all. <laughs> in uh, Slovodon's turf, right? Yeah. So we would do these... Um, twice weekly runs and I was like an ambulance driver. So I would drive um, patients out to the hospital. And then in um, uh, the Kosovo campaign, I remember we got out there and there was nothing. Um, So we had to build the camp from the ground up. And um, I remember it was like, we didn't have running water. We didn't have showers. Oh gosh. It was just a survival situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and actually there, there was actual, um, I remember there was one time where 
they asked for volunteers and I didn't know what they were asking volunteers for. And my, one of my buddies was like, let's, let's volunteer. It should be fun. And I was like, okay. So we raised our hands and we didn't realize we were actually going to, um, um, an advanced point, um, supporting some artillery guys who, I mean, they were literally waiting for a presidential call to release missiles, you know, and, um, bombard, yeah, and it was it was to the point where they even told us those of you that are going on this mission, you know, we we would like to give you an opportunity to call home before you go. Oh, dude! And that's when we knew we were like, okay. oh, it gets real. And then I looked at my friend. I said, <laughs> "What did you volunteer us for?" <laughs> Medic, <laughs> dude. And did that? Did the order come? Um, like not they... not for not for our end, but I do remember. Um, you know, they they have this thing like you you have to stay up at night, you know, because you don't know who yeah. might be coming in at your perimeter. And I remember um, I was guarding some of our supplies, and the the sky. I mean, it's 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 nighttime, and the yeah. sky was like a a, pur- a purplish pinkish color because there were missiles going in, not from where we were at, but somewhere else, somewhere else. Whoa, yeah, that's freaky. Yes. So did you did you see any? explosions and stuff or um i i've like, never seen uh like not in real combat uh i've seen um demonstrations you know where it's like like a especially so cool. in, in fort sill that's a huge artillery base right um and sometimes you have like um the military and dignitaries of other countries and they kind of do this like little show for oh, them okay yeah, yeah yeah so i've seen i've seen live fire there but, um, you know, the action that I saw in actual deployment was very, very far off where, I mean, you know, it's supposed to be pitch black, but the sky is purplish pink. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff is going down. And did injuries come in from anywhere? I guess we did all right. The greatest, <laughs> the greatest uh, injury that we had ever seen was um, because we were part of like a UN um, task force. Um, so we had like the French, the French also had a camp that was near us. Hmm. And for some strange reason, they're, um, they, they call them MREs, they're meal, meal readiness, um, packets, yeah. meal ready, meals ready to eat. That's what MRE stands right. for. Right. Um, theirs came with wine for some strange reason. I have no idea why. Dude. And apparently there was a French soldier who hoarded all of his wine and then got drunk. And then he fell in some um, Constantino wire, you know, the bar- barbed wire that yeah. surrounds our camps. And um, he, he got cut up and he, they, they brought him to our aid station and we got to practice suturing on him. Those French people, man. <laughs> got drunk on his MRE wine. It can't be good wine. There's no way. Although the French are proud of their wine. So maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's funny. Don't get drunk on French wine <laughs> when you're deployed to Bosnia. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's it's a lot of, in deployment, it's a lot of hurry up and wait. You're hurrying up to prepare right. for something, and then you're waiting for somebody to tell you. And so there was a lot of time where people were twiddling their thumbs. And unfortunately, I mean, that's when I took up the bad habit of smoking, because oh. that's that's all you do. I didn't know you smoked. You know it's Back smoke. in the day. No, you not quit. now. You quit a long not time now. ago. You got kids now. Yeah. Yeah. Of course not. Huh. Man, I uh, yeah, that's that's the most shocking thing about you, I think. Is that I was in the military? Yeah, this whole military thing is like <laughs> what? Because you see you walking up and you're, hey, I'm Jen. You know, <laughs> everything's great. I have kids and I worked for a church and I'm a little Filipino lady. And you're like, yeah, I was deployed in Kosovo with Slobodan and <laughs> <laughs> basic training. I'm like what? 
they taught you to shoot too. Yes. So I you... love, I love, um, not saying that, you know, um, not any, not taking any stance on gun control or anything, but uh, I I loved weapons training, and I remember um, I was I was working so hard trying to get my expert, but um, you know the the what they do is they have you the first position that you're shooting in you're you're supported in the prone position, yeah, laying and then down. yes, laying down, and then the second um, part you are unsupported, and by that time man, it would start killing my arms and my elbows and that just, it kills your accuracy. And I was always missing the expert by just one point, just one shot. What were you shooting? I was shooting a 38 out of 40 and I needed a 39, (laughs) 39 or a 40 to get an expert. What what, uh, caliber? Um, It was M16 um, uh, weapons rifle. Okay. Yeah. Standard issue. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I just missed it by a point, and Darn I it. would try every single time. And then, you you know, like uh, the, the longer that you're out there on the range, the worse it gets. Yeah, oh, you start to get all foggy headed. Yeah, like I'm, it's over. Yeah, like I just got to give up now. So sharpshooter was the the highest um, shooting uh, badge that I got. Wow, missed the expert by one point. Darn it! There's still time. <laughs> you can qualify. Have you heard of uh, front sight? No. So there's a there's this training, like. Civilian Firearms Training Institute that's out in the middle of the desert in Nevada. Mm -hmm. And you can go. I've been there four times. And you go there and there's ex-military, ex-police, ex-everything, some like current, like, I can't tell you what I do kind of guys. And they just bring civilians in. And they train you from like, oh, you just bought a gun you've never shot before? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Here, you do this, do that. And by the end of the classes, you're like, all right. Like, I can use this thing. Like, I think I'm, like, you feel comfortable just carrying it, Mm -hmm. which obviously you can't do when you come back to California. Yeah. Because that's just where we are. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's so fun. So I've gotten, like, a taste of that, but never never to that extent, like, qualifying and expert levels. And that'd be so fun just without the running. No, but even That's the thing. Oh yeah. I, I don't like running. I mean, so. no, I was I was terrible at running and I was terrible at push-ups. And but the thing is they it they build you get built up in ways that what you're just like right. holy smokes. I you know, I used to fail this part of the test and now I'm, you know, this yeah. is the one where I max out on points. Um it's crazy. Uh but you know, the, the thing I think the thing that's so amazing about shooting um or or target target practice is how much those um the tenets of it like trigger squeeze and breathing i mean we when when i went on that women's retreat last month and we did archery i realized like you you carry those same skills you can use those same skills and it helps your accuracy yeah Yeah. wow that is neat yeah it's not not a great time to be into guns honestly (laughs) 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 yeah i i got into it Actually, when I moved here, mm-hmm. uh, I was because I was born in Redwood City and like there's picket fences and there's no crime. Mm-hmm. Like nothing ever goes wrong. Nobody needs a gun for self-defense. It's crazy. Like so I always I just grew up just thinking, oh, that's just something police maybe need. Not even our police. You know, what what did San Carlos cops do? Just drive around and give parking tickets and you know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry if if any. San Carlos cops decide to listen, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> but then I, I moved to Newark, 
and I was living here. Mm-hmm. I was actually living in, in the next house over. And in, in this house, there was a guy uh, who was like the neighborhood meth cook. Ooh. So he would cook meth out on this little patio right here. Mm-hmm. And then all day, there's just all kinds of foot traffic coming up and down the driveway past where I was living mm-hmm. to buy their stuff. And these folks were packing all, all everything from like this rich kid in a Beamer to the dude like stumbling down the street. You know, like everybody was coming through and they would steal stuff out of the yard, you know, a little bit here and there. And then across the street, there was like the shot caller for one of the local gangs. Oh, my God. And they were at war with like a gang that's two blocks away. So the SWAT team was up and down the street all the time. They're shooting at each other. I saw uh, a deal go down in my driveway right there when, when you walked in. Oh there's my a guy, gosh. There's a guy sitting there and he's got his trunk open and there's Uzis sitting in the back of his trunk and he's just selling them you know like what's up oh (laughs) my gosh holy crap and that's when i realized that like criminals don't follow laws (laughs) like it just dawned on me like wait a minute like they're breaking laws but you're not supposed to do that like i can't do that how come you can do it and then and i realized like yeah like man like the gun laws all sound great yeah, I would love it if nobody shot each other, if we didn't need guns, if everybody followed the laws. But there's people that just don't care, and they want to, they want to shoot people, and they're gonna do it. And we're like, dude, okay, well, until we can get a handle on those guys, like I'm gonna go ahead and get armed, so that like either myself or like innocent people around me are at least defended. But you didn't buy from the guy that was selling. Uzi's, I didn't know. Right? I didn't buy his. Darn it! I wish he came back. I'd talk to him. No. <laughs> No, I, I got my own, but uh, yeah, it's a crazy, but it's not a popular thing because everyone thinks the, the guns are going to jump off the wall and just start shooting innocent people. I said, well, not mine, not mine. Mine are going to defend those innocent people. Like, don't worry about it. Worry about Captain Uzi, you know, outside before you talk to me. <laughs> yeah. So here's a question I'd, I'd love to ask you. Uh-huh. So what about like the whole women in the front lines military thing like where do you where do you kind of stand on that whole thing what are your thoughts um i i think that there are a lot of women out there i mean you see how much um things are changing where like we have women mma fighters we have women police officers freaky mma fighters yeah dude that chrissy cyborg lady (laughs) forget it i'm not going anywhere near her (laughs) i mean you know there there are just some women that you know that's that is what they want to do. That yeah. is what they feel like their life calling is. Um, I was never one that you know. I mean, seriously, if my if I had known what my friend was volunteering us for, I don't know if I would have said yes. <laughs> um, but um, at the same time, you know, I think that there are people that do feel that these roles are what they are m- made for, and um, if they are given that opportunity, you know, that's great for them. Yeah, yeah, I'm all about it too. If if you want to go, go. Mm-hmm. do your push-ups and run around and, and learn to shoot and go at it. I, I actually went to a co-ed basic. So yeah. I had guys in my platoon. Or actually, yeah, in all of... like I, I think when I initially signed up, I had pictured that I would be with only women. And it turned out that, no, I was at a co-ed basic training. Yeah. yeah. In, and um, yeah, I, I was with males throughout my military career. So um, it, it I didn't feel like... Being a girl was obvious, or my 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 being a, a female was obvious. 
Right. It was more about the job. Yes. Hey, here's what I'm here to do. Yes. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like that perspective. And how long did you spend in? Um, so I was in for four years and I actually had enlisted for more years. Uh, but, you know, uh, at the age of about I was turning 21, I just started having um, seizures oh. and I got diagnosed with epilepsy in early adulthood. Really? And yeah. And so what the, what ended up happening there, I remember there was this one one time that we we do these things called field problems where we yeah. pretty much like play war. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're practicing, you know, what our unit would do in war war situations, and you know, I was out there with uh, my medic team, and we were sleeping um, in an ambulance, and um, one of my buddies said that he woke up because the entire ambulance was swaying and shaking, oh. and they opened it up and they found me in the full on um, grand mal seizure. Whoa! Um, and they, you know, they were trying all these different different medications on me. And there was some that I wasn't reacting to well. And there was some that were affecting, you know, even my mental health. Hmm. Um, and I think, too, like getting diagnosed with uh, epilepsy uh, at the age of 21 and yeah. having it all of a sudden change a lot of. Uh, That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It hit you. It, it just. It, yeah. It really affected me. So um, over time, they, the the military decided, you know, because we can't. I mean, your job is to be a medic. Yeah. Um, I, I actually went into a seizure right before I was going to give somebody um, a vaccination with a needle. Right. Um, so that was like another uh. red flag that they saw. And they said, you know, if, if, if we can't have you, your seizures controlled, we may not be able to keep you. Hmm. And so I ended up um, getting chaptered out of the military, um, it, which is an honor, it's, it's still an honorable discharge, okay. but it's for medical reasons. Right. So um, the additional three years that I had enlisted for ended up not happening. Wow. And I, I came home and I became a, well, I, I'm, I'm considered a disabled veteran. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Even though, you know, I have all my limbs and, and stuff, I, I still have a, a condition. Yeah. So how did they handle that afterward? Like what, what does it look like now? Um, so I have the, the, they, they found a medication that has been really, really helpful for me. Right. And so it's been a very, very long time since I've had a full on, um, full blown seizure. Okay. It's been under control now for, um, almost 18 years. Wow. So you haven't had yeah. a seizure in 18 years. Um, I have auras sometimes though. Ooh. Yeah. So that's when you know when it's like. S that something's coming on. Something's going down. Yeah. And it kind of feels like I'm in deja vu. You know, I'm, I'm, right. I'm experiencing deja vu. But nothing happens after that. Yeah. So that's how I know, like, the medication is working because it stops it. Because that would have been a seizure, right? Yes. Ah. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Do you have any pets that can tell? Like, I heard there's, like, dogs <laughs> and stuff that can smell seizures or whatever. No. Thus far, my dogs don't seem to care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> don't go crazy when you're about to go. No, no, no. But I, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 I think my dog is useless for most <laughs> most things like that. She just looks at me like I'm crazy. That's how I <laughs> most of the time. Um, man, so that's cool. So then you're you're back in the bay, mm -hmm. living at home, back with Irwin. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. So rewind that one. Yeah. Talk, talk about like little high school Irwin and, and Jen, like how did that fire up? So um I know you like shut him down a little bit. I right? did, man. I did. So um, when we first met, um, I actually, I think I was dating one of his friends. 
he that's how he remembers meeting me was that I was dating one of his friends at the time and okay. and he had a different girlfriend at the time too and so we became friends and um then I think when we were sophomores we were both unattached and uh I remember we both ended up in the same geometry class and uh I st- I was failing um because uh-huh. there was something he, he, there was something about <laughs> proofs about proofs that I just wasn't clicking for me and so he offered to tutor me and um he's he, working the angle <laughs> <laughs> and uh so we yeah we were spending time together and um i remember he was like walking me to class and then all of a sudden i was getting better grades than him in class and uh <laughs> just one day he kind of told me that he liked me more than a friend and he was just one of those really really sweet yeah sweet guys and i'm thinking in my head i am going to ruin him no. <laughs> I, I just didn't I didn't believe that, you know, I, no. I I I would treat him right. You know, I I knew how I was. Yeah. And um so I just kind of told him I didn't want to ruin our friendship and I I friend zoned him. Oh man. Know? So Erwin. Poor guy. I'm um, sorry. And friend zone uh, hurts. Yeah. I've been there before. <laughs> I don't want to be your friend. <laughs> I was already that. <laughs> and yeah, so then so then I, I remember like I, I dated other people and, um, you know, that didn't work out. And so junior year came around and at that year I was one of the um, class officers. And so I was one of the people in charge of, uh, of planning the prom. Okay. And I remember he used to come around and help us with like making the decorations for prom. And uh, I remember we were a month out and I was like, oh my gosh, everybody's getting dates. You didn't have a date yet. And I didn't have a date. And I, I, I didn't want to leave it up to chance. I wanted to go with somebody that I knew I would enjoy yeah. the, the, the prom with. And so uh, I remember going up to him during our break and, and saying, hey, uh, do you have a prom date yet? And he said, no. And I said, do you, do you think you'd want to go with me? And I remember him saying, are you serious? Like, <laughs> are you kidding? Something like that. And I kind of looked at him like, no, I'm not kidding. I'm serious. <laughs> And he was just like, sure. I was hoping you'd ask. <laughs> and and I, I just remember that night, um, my stomach and my face hurt because I had was laughing the whole entire night. Oh. It was such an awesome evening. And I remember him, after the prom, him coming to me and um, he, he wrote this story about our prom night. Um, which I thought was like, he was so creative, you know, not oh, only yeah. was he like a great artist, but he also was a great writer. Yeah. He's got that, that gear mm-hmm. just to come up with things. He's amazing. And he's super talented guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, what am I doing? He is this really awesome guy who is so sweet. And, um, we ended up, uh, spending some time together. And one day I just kind of told him that I had feelings for him and he was just like, what and, uh, and you yeah. zone me what are you talking about <laughs> yeah and then um he ended up admitting that uh he had feelings for me too and so yeah officially june 11th 1996 was was when we were exclusive with one another you remember the day yes does he remember that day uh you know what was was really cute was when we um because we ended up did we, we did have a break when i was in the military we yeah. broke up yeah, three 
a two and a half year break, something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that, right. maybe. And uh, when I moved back home and we started dating again, yeah, the the way that I found out that our relationship still mattered to him was when I had asked him for a password, and the password was our anniversary. Ooh. Or it had like oh. some of the numbers of our anniversary, and I realized that he still held on. He still oh, held on to us, which was very sweet. That is the sweetest thing ever. <laughs> Go, Erwin. <laughs> Sentimental fella. I like that. And then when did you guys get married? Uh, so we got married in um, on April 30th of 2006. Um, we had a destination wedding in Las Vegas. You were together for like 10 years. Eight years before you got married. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I think like when, when we got back together at the age of, um, we were 23 at the time. Yeah. When we, when, so I was in the military, we broke up for a time and then, um, got back together when I, when we were 23. And I think when we got back together, we, we knew like, hmm. this is, this, this is it. Um, and I remember it was just a matter of saving up money by that point. So you had a destination wedding? Where'd you go? We went to, we had it in Vegas um, because it's so much cheaper than the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, we, we actually thought that it would um, cut down on the guest list, you know, because we know not everybody's going to be able to make a destination. Right, right. But then when it's Las Vegas... It's easy to get there. It's easy to get there. Yep. And, and everybody was really excited to do a different kind of wedding. Yeah. You know? Um, and every I just remember it was like a week. It felt like a week-long celebration. That's cool. Where at in Vegas? Um, so we weren't... We didn't have the uh, the wedding on the strip or at like some Elvis chapel. It was actually this really <laughs> nice facility. Okay. Um, uh, it was... At the time, it was called Emerald Gardens. And it was in um, an area called uh, uh, Summerlin. Out, it's outside of Las Vegas, or okay. not not that far out. Right. And it, it what was so awesome about it was that it was a one stop shop where they had the videographer, the photographer, the caterer, the um, the ceremony, the, the decor, and and the reception hall. It was all in one place. You just show up. And yeah, and I didn't I didn't want. Um, I mean, seriously, even with all of those details taken care of, planning a wedding is very very stressful. Yeah, there were there were times in that year of planning that we kind of looked at each other and and wondered like why are we doing this? Let's just elope. Yeah, let's yeah. just elope. But um, it, it's one of the easiest. It, having a Vegas wedding was one of the easiest and cheapest things to do, and everybody still had a great time. You didn't turn into Bridezilla. No, actually, okay. um, yeah, I I I tried to do a lot of the stuff. Um, we we ended up doing a lot of the stuff on our on our own because. Mm. Um, we also had moved down to uh, San Diego to prepare for me going to college um, there. Okay. Um, because, like, I had done a lot of my general ed, and then I planned on attending uh, UCSD. Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff that we had to do on our own because we weren't living near um, family members. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't really bridezilla because there wasn't anyone to be that way towards. I guess so. Yeah, just Erwin. Yeah, maybe yeah. just to him. You can ask him that question. Yeah, I will. <laughs> she bite your head off, man. <laughs> I don't want that cake. The dress is too long, rah. Um, neat. So I, I want to maybe rewind again and just figure out, like, as far as your faith goes, mm -hmm. uh, at what point, 
because you said your your family was Catholic. Yes. Right. So you grew up probably going to church once a week or so and all yes. that. Uh, how much of that was like real for you? And, and when would you say you kind of decided on your own, like, all right, I'm 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 in with this Jesus thing? Like, how did that whole thing go down? So I, th- I think um, Catholicism definitely introduced me to God and to Jesus. Yeah. And, um, you know, g- growing up, being raised in that faith, um, I, 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 I believed that, that it was real. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that was very hard about Catholicism is uh, that I-, I felt it was very works-based. Yeah. Um, so it, they would say, uh, he, you know, Christ died on the cross for your sins, so you better not sin anymore. <laughs> and if you do, you have to do X, Y, and Z in yeah. order to be right again. Um, and so there was always this feeling of um, I, I, I need to be enough hmm. in order for me to uh, to really believe that if I were to pass today or in the future, um, or you know when when Jesus comes back again, um, I, I I need to make sure that I am ready. Yeah, you know, um, and that I've done enough. And um, I, I went through all of the sacraments uh, in Catholicism: the 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 baptism as an infant, okay, uh, the fir- the first reconciliation is where, where you confess to the priest your your right. sins first communion first communion right um and, and confirmation actually yeah um, in high school i was confirmed into the catholic church at the age of 16 okay um and then when i went away to the military um well actually let me backtrack yeah. so when i was still in high school no i'm sorry when i was still in middle school my older brother broke away from catholicism okay um my best friend and his girlfriend at the time are sisters and their family broke away from Catholicism. Right. And so my older brother started going um, to Bible study with them and going to their church and my parents flew off the handle. They were so angry. Huh. Um, they, because they believed that Catholicism was the true church. Right. And um, so he didn't leave faith. He, he went, a different kind of route on it. Yes. The non-Catholic. Yes. What what denomination do you think was it that he was? Um, I don't believe there was any denomination. I, I remember they were like a mobile church that used to meet at the um, at the time it was a Holiday Inn, but okay. now I think it's like a, a Radisson in Union City or something or Crown Pro- Crown Plaza. It's okay. off of yeah Alvarado now. So they would like rent one of those meeting rooms. Um, and I, and I remember thinking like, that is so strange. I have never heard of a church that is being held at a hotel. Right. You know, I was always, you know, that the church is a building, Yeah. you know, and, um, so how about a, how about a school? That's weird. I know. Yeah. I know. So now like we're, we, now I'm like in the, I'm, I'm a seasoned mobile church kind of gal. I know. Yeah. You haven't been in a church building in years. I know. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, so I remember him breaking away. I remember it upsetting my parents a great right. deal and causing a rift between my family and my best friend's family. Um, and then, um, you know, when I went away to the military, of course, you know, I have this newfound, you know, freedom, quote, unquote. Right. Um, and I started realizing, like, I can choose not to go to church on a Sunday and yeah. I can choose to uh, just do whatever I want. And, of course, that just did, did, that didn't lead me down a very great path. Right. Um, I was making really bad choices. And... Um, there were some choices that I made that I felt like based on what I believed from Catholicism, 
I was like, oh, I can't come back from this. Hmm. You know, because there also is uh, this belief that there are some sins that are worse than others in yeah. in Catholicism. Yeah. And um, yeah, I had already gotten to that point where I was like, there's no way that God is ever going to forgive me. And so that just ended up spiraling into even worse hmm. because it's just kind of like, why should I even try anymore? Um, and then um, uh, my my older brother, you know, my parents actually accused him of, of walking away from Catholicism just for his girlfriend. But he he proved them wrong. You know, he's a pastor now. Yeah. Right. I've heard him speak. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think now they realize it wasn't some kind of of thing that he was doing to please anybody. It really was his wholehearted desire to want a relationship with with God, with Jesus. Yeah. And I just remember um, my Irwin and I were already married at the time. Um, I think I was I, I was still trying to finish my bachelor's degree in San Diego and we were over at his house for a visit. He was living in um, Ventura in Southern California. Okay. And just one morning at breakfast, um, he and his wife told me that they prayed for us all the time. Hmm. And um, and my little brother also my little brother uh, was also a believer um, following, you know, my, my older brother. And um, he was telling me, you know, uh, Miguel and I, we pray, we weep for you. We want you so much to know how much God loves you guys, how much he wants to know. He, he, he wants you to know him. Yeah. And, um, you know, just I just want you to know how much we love you and we're praying for you. And and my, my husband was like Mr. Skeptic. <laughs> you know, yeah. he was just kind yeah. of like religion is a thing to make people feel better. Yeah. You know? Um, and, uh, he, he, and he didn't take offense to what my brother was saying. He was just kind of like, Oh, great. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, but to, for, for some reason for me, I mean, that really struck a chord. Hmm. Um, and I was, I, I, I actually was praying and I said to God, I want you to show me where you want me to go. And, um, and I remember I was driving around our neighborhood in San Diego and I decided that for, for some reason I felt like the first step was to go back to um, a Catholic church and to walk in there and see, like, this is where I started. Hmm. What does God have to show me here? And I remember I, I checked out this Catholic church in, um, I was, we were living in Chula Vista at the time. Okay. And... I walked into this Catholic church and went through mass. Everything was so familiar. The hymns, the way I'm, I, I memorized mass. I, I used to be an altar girl, you know, so you knew all the, I, I knew the whole hold, mass by hold heart. Hold hands, say this, kneel yeah. now. Yep. Priest says that, you say that, mm -hmm. the call and answer thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I remember I was, when it came to communion time, I was crying mm. because something was telling me, um, uh, you're you're not supposed to be here mm. you know and it was weird it was so weird and so i left that mass wow you're in a church yeah and, and you're feeling led like, elsewhere yeah like that's kind of odd okay yeah right <laughs> and and so i get into my car and i go okay i went there yeah you told me that that's not where i'm supposed to be um so where is it and so on my drive home i saw this sign that said, 
um, Seven San Diego Church, and it had an arrow, and it pointed to the elementary school that was by my house. Huh. And um, when I got there, their service was packing up already. Right. But uh, I got the information for their next service, and um, so I went to their next service, and uh, I just remember, you know, them preaching the gospel in a little bit, like what what I'm starting to realize is I think that that I've been hearing the gospel probably most of my life, hmm. but only parts of it have been accepted by my mind and heart. And it's been like a little bit at a time, you know? Mm. And so at that time I was like, okay, here's this place. I feel love here. I feel, you know, I feel like God is leading me here. I don't know why yet, but I'm here. And, um, and I remember even my, my older brother and my little brother were like, we want to check this church out. You know, we want to see, yeah. um, All because, protective of you. yeah, because actually, yeah. so I, I forgot to mention that when I got home from the military, there was this other church that I had, was going to for a little bit, um, with some friends that had invited me. Okay. Um, and I remember my older brother later telling me that, uh, he was scared for me because he found out that this church was actually a cult oh, and right. I didn't know, <laughs> and I didn't know what kind of cult. Um, well, I shouldn't say, cause actually it's, it's still an active organization. Okay. Right. We don't want to, yeah. we don't want to trash anybody. <laughs> we don't want to trash anybody, but there, there were some teachings where I, like I, I was going to some of their classes and I remember I was paying for these classes that they were giving. And my brother okay. was like, red flag, red flag, red flag. Right. Yeah. Um, because they, they were, I mean, it, it wasn't like any small amount, you know, it was, right. and and um and then I remember I was like telling him on the phone some of the things that they were teaching me and he was freaking out because it was so against scripture. Uh. <laughs> and and it was from these books that some guy who led the tr that that church yeah. that he was publishing and right. everybody was learning from these these books. Okay. Special right. revelation from the leader. Yes. Sounds cultish to me? Yes. I think uh those who know know by now yes <laughs> what that was yes okay and so um when i started going to the one in chula vista the seven san diego yeah um i remember both of my brothers were like looking at their website looking at their oh, mission yeah. statement yeah. yeah and they were checking it out and then my older brother goes yeah he goes it, it, it's 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 good. it's good um and he goes i want you to get plugged in and i was like go brother and then i i i, I was still resisting i was still huh. Like, I'm not, I, I wasn't ready to be known. I wasn't ready. I, wow. I didn't think That's that, a big statement to yeah. say, I, I didn't want to be known. Mm -hmm. It's not, I don't want to know God. I don't, I don't want this or that. It's, it was you. Yes. Wow. I didn't want to be known because I felt like if these people knew my past and the things that I got up to when I was on my own, mm. um, there was no way they would accept me. Wow. So I was okay to just be like lukewarm. You know, um, and uh, but then we felt my husband and I felt a calling that we were um, because jobs down there for his industry. I mean, it's just not um, it wasn't there. Hmm. And um, Silicon Valley up here was exploding because yeah. of apps. So he's a he's basically a digital artist. Yes. What it, what it comes. He does all kinds of art. Yes. But he, he makes money doing digital. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, specifically, right now, he works as a, a user interface. So, like, right. with mobile games, he's the one that designs where all the buttons go. And yeah. there's, like, actual real science to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you play video games. You... I, I do, especially yeah. mobile ones. Yeah. And I've it, been, it, I've been on that Clash Royale thing for, like, a year. Yes. It's killing me. And it, and it has to, I mean, there is there is a there is an art to the way that you arrange. Right. It's got to be intuitive. Mm-hmm. Cuz if it's hard to navigate, people delete it. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. And so he was offered a position um to move back and they were going to pay for us to move back up here. Wow. And so we were like, okay, and and we were we we're getting ready to start our family too or we we wanted to start a family and um you know, it just made sense. We didn't we didn't we had friends in San Diego, but nothing like the support that and the family that we have up here. So um, that was what cut my relationship with the first church short. Right. So I came back up here and I remember my older brother going, okay, now that you're home, find a church there, find another church. Right. And um, nothing moved for about like three years. Really? Yeah. I remember I I kept looking on Yelp um, and, and researching churches and I won't, name churches but wise okay yeah but i would i I remember um i'm kind of one of those i i I have to be moved Mm. you know and i think that there's a purpose of when god makes me move there's a reason why he's making me move yeah and for those first three years nothing there was nothing Uh. um and then um i had my kids yeah. And, you know, huge milestone, right? Like you're looking at your kids and you're like, how am I not going to screw you up? I know. It's, you know? it's real now. Yes. <laughs> I'm a grown up. <laughs> how am I going to raise you um, to have like a good moral compass and, right. you know, some kind of belief in something? Um, because I, I saw the value in it, you know, um, even if uh, Catholicism was hard, one thing that it did um teach me was like i really believed in god and i really Hmm. believed in jesus i just didn't think that they wanted anything to do with me at this this point right um so wow i'm looking on yelp and that was when i saw resonate really that was the first one that jumped out Uh uh-huh because you you removed because it was i i remember because i like i told you that the when i first moved back i was looking on yelp and i saw all of the the ones in the bay area and yeah. I would go on their sites. I would read their pastor's blogs. I would, um, you know, uh, li- I would I would watch sermons. Wow. But nothing was moving me to get out, get off my butt, and actually go. But then I saw resonate, and for some reason the push was harder then. Yeah. And um, I asked one of my best friends to come with me. And um, the day that we came was a child dedication day. And there was a couple there that was dedicating their twins. Uh, um, you have twins. And I have twins. And um, I remember uh, both my, my myself and my best friend were like kind of, we were crying. Hmm. Because we were just like, dude, like this place. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Something's happening. And, and also, um, when we walked in, uh, our childhood friend, somebody that we went to high school with and, and had gone through like confirmation and catholicism you know classes with us in high school yeah he was playing keys uh yeah. Br- brian brian gasakow wow and we went up to him and we were like holy smokes what are you doing here and <laughs> are your parents pissed you know and and we saw his wife michelle michelle went to high school with us yeah. too 
and you know they they were so excited to see us and um there was also a um a new new uh new guest uh reception yeah and uh pastor scott of resonate was was the one that was greeting us okay and that was the first time that i heard that jesus forgives anything and everything so long as you have faith and that was at the new guest reception tent yes and i was like what go scott (laughs) and uh yeah that was that was uh that was it wow so break that idea down a little bit more then so how did that how did that land on you and like change the way you thought about that whole scenario i realized i had hope again I had hope again. Yeah. You were looking for it. I love it. And then you got plugged in. Yes. A little bit. Yes. <laughs> um, and I and I remember uh, that time. Um, and I, I was still. It was still terrifying yeah. to um, join a small group. Yeah. But I remember that first MC Expo that I attended. They had hamburgers, cheeseburgers. <laughs> I was sold. And um, you know, uh, uh, Justin, Justin Abelay, who yeah. uh, also attended our high school. Yeah. Um, he was was such a champion um, for for me, um, and he was always encouraging. And he invited me to a mixed MC. So my first MC at at resonate it was me and like four dudes um oh it's not a couples it, yeah it's a mix it was mixed okay and um, justin was leading it we don't have many of those i don't no, not really do now it's it, it, they, they kind of do focus on couples do we have now. any now i don't think we have I don't any think mixed we do. ones no oh no okay um and and yeah i just started learning more about the gospel i had like absolutely zero gospel fluency yeah you know and um <clears throat> I remember I was uh, just just enjoying learning and oh. and discovering all of the th- and and wondering to myself like, is this the way that the gospel was presented to me? Was I not paying attention when I was <laughs> younger? I What's it? going yeah. on? You know, and even still now, like like I, I still ugh, I, I, it's, I'm never going to be a graduate. I'm never going to yeah. be a graduate. You yeah. know? Yeah, I went through the same thing. <laughs> it's like, was I just not paying attention or did nobody tell me this? Like, yeah. how did I miss this? <laughs> but yeah. Um, and, and what was so crazy was I, I remember, um, that, that the year, the year that, so, so no, actually before, before I joined Justin's MC, uh, Ryan and Jenny Kwan tried out this, this idea and they, I don't think they ever did it again, but it was called an MC sample or MC sampler. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Where it was only going to be like three meetings just to like get your feet wet. Yeah. And I remember at that first meeting, I told them the story of me finding that elementary school church right. uh, in San Diego. And I, I named the church. And then Ryan goes, I know that pastor. Of course. He, yeah, yeah. He and I knew each other in seminary. Yeah. And I just was like, holy smokes. Because he's from down there. Yes. Right. So he knows all that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so it was so great to hear, you know, and, and I kind of felt like, so that's why, that's why God had me there. Yeah. And then I ended up meeting like his seminary classmate who's planted a church here in mm. the Bay Area. Um, And that, that first, 
that first sampler was just such a great way to, um, you know, give you a taste, get your feet wet, and because it's so, it is so terrifying. It's so terrifying <laughs> to be the new kid to be the, the new <laughs> to be new and MC and wonder. You know, like yeah, what is this? You you have these false beliefs of like that that there are going to be things that are not going to be accepted. Mm. You know, when um, if you really truly know the gospel and believe the gospel then you know that you're not better than anybody. We all suck. <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, so you, at, at the other church, you didn't want to plug in because you were afraid of being known. Yes. So that changed. Yes. Yeah. And you wanted to be known. Yes. I was, I was ready to um, really invest in, in what this and, and it's even it's it's still constantly changing of mm. what I thought being a Christian and what my faith meant like it it has it has changed so much I think like like many people um, might think today er erroneously um, I think I did believe that once I start walking then that means good things will happen mm. and you know me that's not what happened no. Um, and, and it's just, it, it was, it, it's, it's been, it's been difficult. Yeah. It's been a hard road. Um, but there is something to be said about being so part of a community that is carrying literally, I shouldn't say literally because, um, I'm probably going to annoy English majors out there because that's <laughs> not the correct usage, but it metaphorically carrying me through yeah. some really um really tough stuff in the last few years. Hmm. And um I love my community. I don't know where I'd be without it. I don't know where I would be without Christ. Hmm. Um yeah. What is it that is attractive about him? His heart, his heart, his love for his people, yeah. um, just so much grace for, for me where I wake up every day. The moment I wake up, I sin. Mm. The moment I wake up, I sin because my first thought is not on him. Right. My first thought is who emailed me. <laughs> yeah. Who Facebooked me. Yeah. yeah. Who, who, um. Um, what things do I need to get done today in order for people to know that I'm doing what I need to do mm. um, and that I'm doing my job and that I'm not a loser? Um, you know, like, I, 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 would, I would like to think that I'm already past that point where I don't care about what people think of me, but that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, you know? good luck with that. And, and I see there's this, this Savior that loves me so much um, that made one of the hugest sacrifices so that when the time comes, like I get to be in the kingdom. Wow. Um, and I'm telling you, Ryan, there are times, there are days when it's hard. There are days where I wish like Jesus come back already because <laughs> Hurry up. being here in this world, in this broken world is so painful. Yeah. Um, I want you to like, um, it would be great if we could just get there already. Yeah. But 
um, in the face of that, he's created um, a church that loves each other the way that most of the time, the way that God hopes for us to love one another. Hmm. And um, because I I say that because we're human, you know, and we mess up every day. And um, but he's created this community that, oh, my gosh, the way that they have surrounded my family um, has been amazing. And no other group of people would do that unless it was the gospel fueling that kind of love. It doesn't come naturally. No. 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 Yeah, our our tendencies are towards selfishness and pridefulness and get yeah. what I can, get over others. Mm-hmm. But there's, yeah, there's a... Once in a while, God gives you just a peek into what real community is supposed to be like. Yeah, I found that too. Yeah. So go into a little bit about like what it's looked like since then. So you, you came to Resonate. Mm-hmm. You ended up working yes. for Resonate. Give me give me a little bit of that. So um, that went down. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, Resonate staff was always a, um, has always like impressed me <laughs> so much. Um, Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. you guys still do. I still, uh, like, I, 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 I miss being part of the team, yeah. you know? Um, and walking away from that position was probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. Um, but I, I remember, um, wanting to, to like understanding what it means to serve. Like all my life, I believed that you serve because you're supposed to, you serve because, mm. um, like it, it was so guilt driven. We serve because he died for us, so you should want to serve. Yeah, and he'll like you more if you do lots of stuff. Yeah, he'll love yeah. you more if you serve, and right. um, you know, like as if as if there's some kind of star chart that God has in heaven, and he's watching <laughs> <Star> like <chart>. everything. <laughs> he's watching everything that we do, and um, you know, uh, I I was learning about how the gospel should be our means and our motivation. Um, to, to serve, even, even giving, you Mm. know, um, I, I, I learned that we give from the overflow. We give because nothing that we have is really ours. It was all his, that he has blessed us with. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I saw the staff, I saw how like gospel fluent everybody was. Um, and, 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 and I wanted to become a better, uh, disciple, yeah. you know, and, and I thought one way of doing that was, um, to, to be on this team. And before that, you know, I, I was working in a lot of startups in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So a lot of the mindset there is like, you know, what employee number are, what employee number are you? And, um, how many stocks are you going to vest? And when is your huh. stock going to go public or get acquired so right. that you will become an instant millionaire? Um, so I was kind of in that for a little bit, even as I started going to resonate. Mm. Um, and then there was just this one day where I just was like, I am so tired of this rat race. You know, I'm, I'm tired of living, um, to try to achieve something that people will think is impressive. And, you know, because everything I started to see, like all of that stuff doesn't last. You know, we, we learn that all the time in our messages is that these earthly things, they're not going to last. Yeah. 
And so I started wanting something different. And um, so I quit my, um, my position at the startup. And um, uh, I was at home with the kids and I started just helping out at the church office part time. Yeah. And then there was just these opportunities where the um, leadership saw the things that I could do. And first they invited me to fill in for um, the vibe director at the time yep. for, while she was going to go on maternity leave. Sarah Munakawa. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to she, Sarah. She's amazing. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. And, um, and then after I took on um, that role and, and then she came back, right. uh, they were getting ready to plant Hayward. And so they were looking for somebody to look over the preschool ministry and Kidman overall. Right. And so that was when um, Pastor Ryan approached me about um, possibly taking on the Kidman director role in Fremont. And um, um, I remember looking at him and and asking him, um, are you crazy? (laughs) Um, Because what? You know? Me? Yeah. And, uh, And also, you know, like... That was that was what I had always wanted. I mean, I was going to be full time on this, like, yeah. you know, this this awesome team, and um, so I said yes. And I mean, you know, like me, we are fed like with the fire hose, the gospel. <laughs> I know. And that that time that I was there, I mean, just the from the staff meetings and everyday conversations with each other. Yeah. You know, the, the water cooler convo. Yeah. Is huge. You don't miss those. Yes. <laughs> yes. Somebody pops out of an office with, they're just in the middle of writing a sermon. And I'm like, let me unload this huge, like gospel truth that I just realized on you. And blah. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. And I get my coffee and go back to my desktop. <laughs> yeah. Cry for a while. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, it was, it was so great to be able to, to be on staff and then hear all the stories of all the great things that were happening. Yeah. Um, Front row seat. Yeah. And, uh, and even before, I mean, I had already started building really close relationships with so many people on staff because, um, you know, of participating and, 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 and the, the, the staff sharing the story of myself and my husband, Hmm. um, and how, how he came to Christ. Yeah. I want to hear that too. That's on the list. Oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I won't spoil it then. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I've, I loved my time on staff. Um, I, I miss it greatly. Um, I miss a lot of the Fremont people, uh, because I don't get to see you guys on a regular basis. I I know. You know, I've never, I've, I still haven't been to the Hayward campus on a Sunday. Oh, I know. Two years. It's like ugh. that should be part of the job. Like we should have to do that. Yeah, send you guys in rotation. Is, I have to take. I'd have to take a day off, right? It's, yeah, or at least like two services or whatever to try to get up there. That's where you would say I literally have to take a day off. Yeah, I actually do. Yeah, I take a day off. We should do like a refugee thing. Like have Lisa come down for a day and run my thing, and then I'll go up there. <laughs> I don't know. Um. So you, how long were you on the, the staff for? Because I'm trying to figure out the timing when I I came on sh- like right after that, right? Um. No, I was already an intern. Yes, you were an intern before I was even like. Remember, I was like kind of playing around. Yeah. I was always at the office helping right. with stuff. Um, and then so it was. Uh, I remember it was like October of, October of 2015. Oh gosh, you got a date. 
Um, October of 2015, they already had me coming in to start training to take over for Sarah when January rolled around. Because January was when she was going to get ready to leave um, to to have um, baby Brixton. Right. Brixie boy. Yeah. And um, so January of 2016 was when I was part time as her replacement. Okay. And then April of 20 of 2016. Oh, no, wait, I'm getting my dates wrong. No, okay. October of 2015 was was when I was um, coming in to get trained for the the vibe role. Right. January 2016 was when I took over the vibe role for her while she was on maternity leave. Okay. And then April of 2016 was when I uh, went full time as Kidman director. Right on. And I, I was interning when you came on. Yes. With uh, Amp. Yes. Yep. Wow. So, uh, and then. Um, uh, it was officially 2017, August of 2017 was when I stepped down. Right. Yes. So it's basically a year plus. Like a year, like a year and a, a little over a year and a half yeah. uh, of like part-time, full-time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then I, I came in, you were my boss for like most yeah. of a year. That was cool. Um, go back for a moment to Irwin. Yes. Because that's a cool story. Um, so I started attending Resonate in 2013. Yeah. Um, spring of 2013. So he came with me to a service and um, he was like, oh, okay. Uh, great. And then um, I remember I would I was I, at at the time I, I was going like maybe three two to three times a month was as as like often as I was attending, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes he would come and sometimes he wouldn't, and so I remember uh, asking him, you know, what about what about you? Uh, what what about your hmm. like? Do you believe in Christ? Do yeah, you where you at God? with this? Right, and um. So his his church upbringing is kind of strange. Like he, so naturally being in a Filipino family, um, his mom had him uh, d- did the baptism, uh, first communion, and first reconciliation. Those first three sacraments. Hmm. But I remember when we were all in high school, he was one of those in our group that didn't do the confirmation stuff, and he didn't attend church every Sunday. Right. Um. So he didn't really have a relationship at all. And it wasn't like, it wasn't normal for him to mm. do that like on a Sunday kind of thing. Okay. So when I was going through um, getting plugged in at Resonate and, and all of that stuff, he was always just kind of like, yeah, you know, that's really great for you. I'm really glad that this makes you happy. Yeah. And I'm like, what about you? And he was like, oh, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm you good. Know? I'm, I'm good. good. Right. You know, and... And um, I think a lot of it was, yeah, his his skepticism. And also as we, w- when we would have discussions about it, he talked a lot about um, um, he, he, the, the Christians that he would see portrayed in, in media and um, mm. television and maybe even some that he had met in life. He would say, you know, they say all of these things 
um, about how to treat people and how to love people, but I don't see them walking that way. Hmm. And that's, I have a problem with that. You don't practice what you preach. It's understandable. Yeah. I, I had a similar attitude in college and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I kind of know what that's supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like it's working on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't want any part of that, right? Because he would, he would say, like, they talk about a loving God, yet they are so yeah. judgmental and, 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 and hurtful to people that are different, mm. you know? And um, I didn't know how to... At that time, my gospel fluency still was not that strong. And okay. I remember I was constantly going to... Um, you know, le- the, the leadership, like I would tell Pastor Scott, Pastor Jackson, Pastor Ryan, and be like, oh, my husband doesn't believe. And mm. I, I, I'm so scared because I don't want us to be separated, you know, after right, right. after this life. And um, and they would always tell me, um, you know, you're, the thing that you need to do is walk faithfully. Mm. You know, that is the only thing that you can do. And... I remember being so frustrated with that advice. Um, <laughs> That's good advice is frustrating sometimes. Yes. Right? And, and, I, and I remember like I would talk to other um, wives at Resonate who um, either had husbands that were in the similar, like they, they weren't walking and right. then they, they were saved. Um, I remember talking like uh, Michelle Gaskell introduced me to the Shinheras. Yeah. Um, and Lisa, Lisa and Paul shared their story with me. And I remember like being so excited and wanting Irwin to meet Paul, you know, and thinking like there was something tangible that I could do to, right. you know, change this. If you just get him in the right situation, it'll click. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, that's not how it works. Mm. You know, um, God was God had a plan already and he and I didn't know what it was, but he had a plan. So um uh, and I, I remember when I got baptized um, at Resonate, I came home because I was I was a spontaneous baptism. Oh, yeah. And I came home with wet clothes. <laughs> and I remember him like being quite upset, really? not not because I got baptized, but he said, here is another time that you didn't share that, that you didn't share with me. Hmm. You didn't even tell me that you were going to do this. And I would have liked to have been there. But at the same time in my head, I was like, but I thought that the stuff didn't matter to you, Yeah, you know? Um, So uh, I became an MC leader and I started my own group. And then I remember asking him, uh, would it be okay if we, if I invite my MC to meet at our house? Hmm. And he was just like, sure. No problem. Right. And and my sister-in-law at the time remembers, uh, she, she, I remember she was giggling because she said she doesn't real, he doesn't realize he just invited Jesus Christ into his house. Nah. <laughs> um, and he said that uh, because w- what we would do is we would have MC and then afterwards uh, it would be a time to just kind of everybody chill out. They could stay if they wanted um, yeah. and, and just hang out or they could leave. And I remember my daughters always wanted to come out and, and hang out with the, the women in my group. Yeah. And he would come out and start munching on whatever leftovers <laughs> that we had. And so he would start talking to, you know, the women in my MC. Right. And um, he also told me that he started to see m- me changing the oh. way that I handled stress, the way that I handled difficult situations. Um I, I wasn't reacting to things the way that the same way that I used to before. Mm. 
and that really struck me because before that I had been through a lot of like secular therapy. Right. And you know, yeah, he said that I changed from from even that, but for him this was more striking, even more striking than that. Um yeah. and so let's see. I then it, it comes down to like Secular therapy tends to be able to change maybe the way you think <laughs> or the things you do. But what you're talking about is changing who you are. In your heart, too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's deep. Yeah. Yes. And he, he could see that difference. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, so I like, I remember, you know, I was active in the group. Um, he was meeting women in the group. Um, and then uh, Make a Difference Day was coming around. And. Uh, oh, you're right. And. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, like, what are the things that we always say about, um, you know, when we have unchurched loved ones is invite, 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 right? Yep. And so I looked at the Make a Difference Day roster or the, the, the sign-ups, and I saw that there was this mural project. Was this the Cesar Chavez one? No, this was the American High. American High School, okay. Yeah. And um, uh, I signed up for it, and then... Christine Zito, who I didn't even know then, she was just uh, somebody on the other end of an email address. Right. She emailed me and said, uh, I see that you signed up for the mural. Right now, we have no plans for what we're going to do because we don't know how it's going to happen. We don't have a design. We don't have anything. We don't right. even have anyone to lead it. And then um, I kind of, I, I looked at my husband um, and I said, what do you think? Uh Want to do a mural? <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do a mural? Do you think we can help? Yeah. And um, he was like, yeah, sure. You know? And uh, I, I I even remember, like, we visited the school, and I even thought, like, the way that they were having us do this, like, this brick wall. Yeah. And... Um, it was and, like a like a paint-by-numbers checkerboard thing. Yeah. Yeah. And... I power-washed that wall. Oh, it was you? Yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah. thank you. Because I remember we said that needed to happen first. Vividly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I remember Christine and I were kind of panicking because we were like, oh my gosh, it's like it's got these these bricks. How are we supposed to do a design on those bricks? And then mm. I remember him looking at it, and then he goes, oh, that's easy. You could just make each brick a color, and it'll be like pixels. It's a mosaic. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> and it ended up working out. And so he came to make a difference day, um, and we led it to we led that project together, mm. and. Through that whole entire day, he was having these spiritual conversations with different people. Wow. And he was realizing, one, that um, we're not weird. Believers are not weird. Uh, two, that there are those of us that really are trying to have the heart that Jesus calls us to have. Yeah. And it just started to change his mind, you know, about about church and what was he what was causing him to resist because all of these things that he was believing he's seeing now that there is um mm. something different yeah and then um and then i remember us having conversations about um his 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 dad uh and uh the yeah. accident where his dad passed away and the difficult relationship that he had with him and i think there was a lot of stuff that uh, he hadn't let go of um, hmm. from when he was a kid. And and one of those things, too, was, was letting go of the guilt of feeling 
uh, like he because he grew up as 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 an abused child. Right. And so when his dad suddenly passed away, there was this feeling of of relief that there was an end. And then there was a feeling of intense guilt in thinking that hmm. the desire of wishing that the abuse would stop or that his dad would go away was what actually caused the accident. And, uh, okay, I see. And so I think once he realized that none of that was true, that he didn't have any control over that, I think he started to believe that maybe God could love him too. Hmm. And um, so he started to come to church with me um, more regularly. And you're looking at him like, what's going on? Yeah. Why is he coming? Okay. Yeah. And I was, I was starting, um, we even, I remember Pastor Jackson suggested that we read um, Prodigal God by mm. Timothy Keller together. And, okay. and he, he, we, we read it together and discussed it. Mm. And I mean, even, even I was learning, uh, seeing God differently because at that, before that I was, I always saw God as, um, this man that just tolerated me, mm. you know? Um, and, and if I was good enough, then okay, I could be in his presence. Yeah. Um, but if not, then away with you, right. you know? And then I, I'm reading this book where it's just like, he is going to, you know, he was going to get the best calf and, and create a feast because I'm returning, yeah. you know, of just this overflow of love that he has for us. Um, we were discovering this, this, this God together. Amazing. Yeah. And, and so in, in August of, no, no, it was, it was May of 2015. Um, they had this announcement for baptism classes and, and I, I said to him, Hey, you know, if, if, if you're interested, would you, would you be interested in going to the class? And you don't have to agree to uh, mm. be baptized, but just go and ask questions if you have more questions. And, um, and, and he, I remember him telling me, Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm still not ready like just give me time, and so I was. I was like, okay, I'll give you more time. Hmm. And then um, one Sunday, we. Um, it, it was so weird. There was this one Sunday where we were going to go to church, and usually my twins are pretty. They're pretty docile, and they, for some reason, one of them was acting up so badly that I was looking at the time and just ready to give in. I was like, we're forget it. We're it. not going. We're not going to make it. We're going to be late. Right. And then, um, but there was something else that kept saying to me, no, go, you need mm -hmm. to go. And so I was like, okay, fine. So we're going to church. We're frazzled. Yeah. We get there so late that, um, Marty wasn't even in the front anymore, waving people in, you know, he had already gone in because he usually, gave up on the late comers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he, so he wasn't even in the front by the time that we got there. Right. And so we, we walk in and they're like in, in the middle of baptisms, hmm. um, so we sit down and we were listening to all of these people's um, testimonies. Yeah, and they talk was... a little bit before they get dunked. Yeah. yeah. And I remember um, Sonia Wong was up there getting baptized. And right. she talked about how uh, what motivated her to finally take the step was, what am I waiting for? Mm. Because there, we're, we're never going to be some finished product. You're not supposed to wait to be some kind of finished product yeah you god is calling us now and um the, and then there was there was a few other ones that that some some other testimonies that that were being spoken of of just a lot of people saying you know i i realize now that i'm never going to be ready 
but mm. this is what I do to declare my faith. And um, then Marty did the the open call. Yeah. Is there anybody else? Is there Anyone anybody else? else? Now's your chance. And uh, I was holding his hand, and then and then he stood up, and I pretty much like I screamed. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I, I think I, 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 and I, I wanted so badly for Marty to pause because I, I, I didn't want him to say, oh, okay, we're just going to move on now. Uh, I felt him stand up and then I was just like, oh my gosh, like, don't, don't <laughs> stop, don't move on yet, you know? And, and, um, uh, yeah, I was, I was just so shocked. Like when I, when I see that video, uh, I didn't. I, I didn't realize at the time how long I had. I was covering covering my mouth <laughs> in just disbelief. Yeah. That um, he stood up that day. That's amazing, <laughs> and he's grown a lot since then. I mean. Yes. He's in. Yes. Like he's he's not on the fence about it. Like he's all in. I love it. Um, I I'll have to share with you this this story of when we were doing the by faith campaign for the new building yeah um we, we we really took it seriously we were fasting we were praying together about it and uh you know he was even uh when they were at mc he was talking to his mc guys about it and then um i remember we said okay this is what we're gonna do we're gonna chat we're going to talk about the number that we feel comfortable with and then you know we'll 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 come to an agreement and that's what we'll give and um he came back to me and he said okay this is the number that i am comfortable with this is the number that i am uncomfortable with and he goes but what i'm learning um is that you know for all that he has sacrificed for us mm. i should make myself uncomfortable and i would really love to give my uncomfortable number and then i was sitting there going Oh my gosh, your comfortable number was my uncomfortable number already. And he wanted to take us further. And it was like God uh, answering my prayer of him leading my family in our faith. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. So what what has his leadership looked like over the last couple of years? I know we we, we, we kind of nibbled around it when you were talking about being on staff that life isn't great all the time. And um, and sometimes you know, stuff goes down and I'd, I'd love to hear about kind of what the last couple of years have looked like for you, but also just how Irwin or other people have been with you through all that. So, um, you know, uh, one of the ways that he leads me well spiritually is um, when I am stressed and overwhelmed, hmm. he will sit me down and ask me like, not not so much in these exact words, but yeah. the way that he talks, it's like what lies are what lies am I believing? Yeah, you know, what is it that I'm not believing? Um, because a am I am I stressed out because I'm measuring myself again by worldly standards? Yeah, which are kind of fake <laughs> and um, plentiful. <laughs> yes, yes, and it's and and it steal it it steals so much of my joy. Yeah, you know. Um, he's so great at refocusing me on what's important, pointing me back to the gospel. Um, and, and also encouraging and trying to set the path for our daughters too, of 
how are we going to raise them? How are we, Hmm. how do we, how do we deal with when we're stressed as parents? You know, we have this habit of um, when we find that one of us is just getting very, very impatient and starting to speak in anger and impatience, um, we tag each other out. Hmm. You know, somebody like, like you need to go calm down and let somebody that is in the more uh, calm, clear headspace be the one to deal with whatever is going on with the kids. Hmm. Because I think both of us, you know, we have imperfect parents we are going to be imperfect parents but those times of being um yelled at um for things that we can't control or we don't even know why we're being yelled at are probably the the scars that we still carry Hmm. and so we're trying to be so intentional in not doing that with our kids and um i like that yeah just we we see parenting as so much of a team effort um, and also too, uh, dealing with, um, I, like I, I, I lost my younger brother two years ago and I think in a lot of ways I was completely debilitated by the loss yeah. and the way that he stepped in and took care of a lot of things that usually I did as like the, the, the very organized one between the two of us. Yeah. Um, he stepped up and took up so much slack so that I could, I could grieve. And I could um, not feel so much of the pressure that I felt was was coming down on me in the face of of all of the loss. Hmm. And you were you were on staff during that time. I remember that. Yes. That was rough. Yes. That was rough. Yes. I'd hear you come in, you go straight into the office, the door would shut, and you I would hear the. <laughs> I knew what was going on. Yeah. Like you're you're deep in, in grief during that time. Um how has that affected you since then? Because I watched you go through it and, and I know that was hard and but I saw you honestly in a lot of ways learning more about yourself, about your family, about your creator, your savior, and clinging to that desperately. Yeah. Um so to give a little bit of context um yeah for whoever's listening um there's like uh tissues over there i don't have like kleenex because i i don't i don't cry what is this bounty that's bounty yeah it's 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 quilted so it's quilted thank you um so uh in september it's it actually we just passed the two-year anniversary Hmm. But uh, in September of 2016, when I was on staff, I uh, we got the unfortunate news that my younger brother um, took his own life. And um, it was really hard because that last year of his life was very difficult in terms of uh, what was going on in, in, in our family. Um, he was living in San Diego um, and working as a teacher. And I felt very distant from him that last year. But right the, the week before it happened, he and I were, were texting one another. And I knew that he was um, going through some hard times. He was having some struggles with his career, having some struggles in his romantic relationship, hmm. and also with his, his relationship with our parents. And, um, you know, I urged him in those text messages to be in prayer um, and to... Uh, go to the father with his his heartbreak yeah 
And um, I kept urging him to let to let me call him, you know, because he didn't even want to talk on the phone. He just wanted to text. Hmm. And, um, you know, uh, we we learned this later after the fact. But when at the point when he resigned from his job, that was like a huge red flag for some of his friends. Um, and some of his buddies actually flew down there on Labor Day weekend to be with him. Hmm. And um, I, th- I think I had this, this, this belief because he had told me that he was seeing a therapist. Um, I thought, okay, he's, he's going to be all right. He's seeing a therapist. He's getting help. He's getting help, yeah. right? Um, and so if he told me, he, he told me in, in one of his text messages, um, I'll be okay, you know, and um, I just need to learn some lessons and um, I'll call you when I'm ready and, you know, we we said our I love yous and, and things like that. And uh, I thought, OK, mm. and, and I even remember you and I having lunch and me talking about mm. that that text conversation. Right. So when my parents came to my house and told me the news um, that that he was gone. Yeah. Um, my I felt like my whole world came apart. Because for me, he. um we, we have such huge age gaps between us. My older brother is six years older and my little brother was, was seven years younger than me. And um, when he came along, I mean, he was like my doll, you know? <laughs> um, so much of my childhood memories um, of what I, I remember most yeah. have to do with him. Yeah. The make-believe games that we played. And, um, you know, he, he even went down to college in San Diego and we were all living there the same time Hmm. and um you know the only person that ever visited me at any of my um duty stations other than Irwin was him you know uh he was my bro Hmm. and um you know automatically I think the first fear that I had was uh did I do something wrong did I fail him because um he, he he had reached out to me did I not how could I not see it Um, and, you know, I, I think immediately too, I, I was, my heart broke for my parents because they were dealing with so much regret over, um, the, the lack of times that they, they did see him in person, um, the final year of his life. Um, even though, you know, it, it, it wasn't like they were, were upset with each other. There was still some stuff that they hadn't worked through. Um, and there's something about, you know, as an adult, I remember I, I, the day after my parents told me, it looked like that was the last thing that they were able to do. And the both of them just collapsed. Hmm. And then at that point, I felt like it was up to me and my older brother to handle everything the rest of the way through because they needed to grieve their child. Yeah. And I, I, I remember my father, he was shaking. Yeah. And to see my parents so vulnerable um, was so hard. So uh, immediately I had to tell uh, church leadership mm-hmm. about what was going on. And I think the thing that touched me most is how much everybody wept with me, even though 
that was the brother that you guys never met, you know? No. Um, I feel like I know him now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unfortunately, um, you guys have only met my older brother. Um, and my younger brother had come to resonate a few times. Hmm. Um, but he didn't get a chance to, like, meet my friends the way that my older brother did. And, right. uh, But all of you guys, you prayed for me. You wept with me. Um, I remember Pastor Ryan even cut a trip short just so that he could do the service. Yeah. Um, and my family was so, they felt so much love. And they were so grateful for the way that you guys rallied around us and carried us through um, wow. the, that time. Because it was so dark. And I, every day felt like I was just fighting to breathe. But as um, so one thing that I've learned is that, and this will probably be true for the rest of my life, I'm always gonna miss him. Yeah, and that's not gonna change. That's okay. You're supposed to. <laughs> you should. And um, I've also learned that. It wasn't my job to save him. And I think that was one of the things that was hard to accept. Yeah. I remember the 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 first month maybe or no, I'm lying actually. Probably the first year I was still trying to put meaning behind why. Right. You know? And um I I, I always I, I felt God always placing me in the right place because the 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 time when we all went to exponential and it had been merely a month after his passing yeah. and I didn't want to be there. Right. Um, uh, I remember we, when we, when we had dinner, one of the nights I chose a seat next to somebody that I didn't know. Um, our guest who came along with us on that trip, Jason, Jason Wigan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he was able to share with me yeah. that he had experienced loss through suicide before. Mm. And, I remember sitting there thinking, God, I didn't even want to be here. And of now, all the people, yeah. Yeah, and now I see why you had me here. Yeah. Is you, you wanted me to meet him and to show me what 13 years down mm -hmm. the line might look like. And um, uh, I... I there, was, there was something else. I, it kind of just fell out of my head. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I, I want to ask you, like, so, you know, there might be people listening who are in the same spot mm -hmm. and something you said just about trying to, like, could I have done anything? Yeah. You know, is this my fault in any way? Even if it isn't, I'm going to believe it is. Mm -hmm. What do you say to someone who's in that? I think that one of the things that I have, so I, I said that there was that year where, um, that first year where I think I was still trying to solve that puzzle yeah. of why. Right. And, um, you know, there were, there were things that I ended up finding out that I didn't know before. And I, and I remember thinking, Oh, this must be the reason this must have attributed to it. But this is the puzzle piece I'm looking for. Yeah. Right. But one thing that, um, a mutual, a teacher that both m myself and my little brother had, and I had, I, I recently had breakfast with him and connected with him. Um, but one thing that he said to me was, there are a lot of people that go 
that that in this life have gone through the same thing that your brother probably went was going through mm. and yet they don't make that choice right right um we on we have that desire as human beings to always want to know why mm. and the truth of it is only god knows that answer god called him home um from from what people were telling me the ones that saw him on his last days he was in a lot of pain the way they described him i don't remember him ever being like that before hmm. and so i have to just let that go i have to let go of and i have to let go of all the other things of like it's just the same of like why why all of a sudden did i get epilepsy at the age of 21 yeah. ending my military career why you know uh, j yeah why did certain relationships not work out? Mm. I mean, there are now I have like certain answers, like because I was meant to be with Erwin, you know, or now you can looking back. It's yeah. Easy. Yeah. yeah. And, or, and, and now when I like, like I don't have that hindsight right mm. now. Um, and maybe I never will. Right. But it's, it's also not my place. I am not God. And it's not, it's not my place to know those reasons. Mm. And it's it's that's one of the hardest things to have to accept sometimes. And no kidding. And and two another thing, and I just remembered what it was that fell out of my head. Oh. In that year of me trying to um, solve this puzzle of why he did what he did, I remember the first Christmas party that we had for staff. I was seated right next to Christy Taylor, and um, I I that that was a hard party to be at, honestly. And I remember sitting in my seat and not really moving there for the whole mm. night. If people were talking to me, it was because they walked over, right. you know. And that was in that restaurant in San Francisco. No, in the basement. No, no, no. That was the uh, Wendy, I think. Oh, the the country club. Yeah. The, yeah. The frou frou one. That was so frou frou. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was good. Thank you, Ryan. It was very good. Very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I remember her telling me that night. She said. There is this trap we get into sometimes where we want to know why, but really what it is that we want to know, it's, it's really, it's not about what we want to know, it's that we want that person back. And yeah. sometimes we think that if we find that reason somehow that will happen and it won't, mm. you know? Interesting. It's like, if I, yeah, so let me, let me just rephrase that because I think I messed it up, but we spend our time wanting to know the reasons why, thinking that um, that'll make us feel better. But what yeah. we really want is for that person to come back. Right. Wow. That's deep. Thank you, Christy Taylor. Christy Taylor, you're a beast. <laughs> Man. So that, that experience caused like another change of direction for you then. Yes. Because you were on the church staff, and I remember you're not now. <laughs> yes. And you weren't fired. So no. how did that go down? So um, one of the things that I have always wanted to do is counsel people, mm. to help people that are um, suffering in pain um, or need somebody to talk to to figure yeah. out like what's, what they're feeling. Yeah. Um, but one fear that I always had was 
feeling the pressure of of people relying on on me and my biggest fear was what if one of my clients yeah took their own life how I, would i, I deal let them with that? i let them down right yeah, yeah because i felt like it would it would all it would be all yeah. on me wow so one thing about when when i became a christian and i and i and i learned the gospel and i'm still learning the gospel is i realized that's not my job hmm. that's not really what a therapist does um people are responsible i mean god gave us free will people are responsible for their lives right um and it wouldn't i mean if if that were to happen you know it wouldn't be on me and i think one of my the the the, the big fear it actually kind of came true for me in that somebody that i felt i was responsible for and should have mm. been looking after my baby brother it happened yeah you know and i was like look look at this like somehow i don't know how but i'm surviving you know but what his passing also showed me is man there are a lot of people out there that are hurting mm. and that need somebody to be there and to show love and to show them that they matter and there are these things about my personality and the way that God made me like you know that I am highly sensitive yeah and and um <laughs> like very empathetic yeah and I love listening to um people talk about what's going on with them and I I like looking for patterns you know and mm. trying to figure out like hey do you notice that uh, this always, the, your, your reaction is always this. I mean, not, not in a like, you know, mean way or a, or a, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, I know you better than yourself kind of way, yeah. but you know, we have blind spots. We oh, all yeah. do. And, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's kind of neat listening to people and, um, helping people figure out what their blind yeah. spots are. Say, so, have you thought about this? Yes. Like, did you notice that you think this way? And that kind of causes like, it, that's a skill to be able to dissect people's brains that way mm -hmm. yeah and um so that first so so when we were at that exponential conference um i i remember there was one moment where i was outside and just enjoying the sun you know in sunny california and um i just had this overwhelming wave come over me again of god saying um you're not going to be here for much longer mm. and I took it to mean, um, for some reason it was like, it was staff, you know, there was, there was something else that he, he was pushing me toward. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, like there's always that warning of like, don't always think that you're getting messages from the Holy spirit. Like oh, yeah. you need to really pray through it. And I'll tell you more than once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, 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 uh, so, so when I, you know, like you remember the night that I, that I was telling you guys, we were in, um, we were in Tennessee. Yes, we were in Tennessee. We were. And I, that was cool. I, I took the advice of, of the pastors and of all of you guys of just being super prayerful and, and looking to see if those, the doors of opportunity were really showing me that direction. Hmm. And so over that, that year, um, it was starting to really, really make sense for me to take that step. And, it was still so hard though. Yeah. Um, I think I, 
well, no, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I did cry when I when I resigned. Um, yeah. You weren't the only one that cried. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> but it was it was great to feel so much love and support from everybody, and knowing like yeah. that uh, they were going to help me get in, in get things in place so that the ministry that I was running had wonderful people to take it over. And I think, you know, Christine and Danielle and you have run with Kidman Fremont and done such amazing mm -hmm. things. Um, and now God has me in a different place and I'm, I'm enjoying it. I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm running and the wind is at my back. Ooh, that's a good feeling. Yeah. Hitting your stride. Yeah. Because you're you're still in classes. Yes. So when when what what's the educational track look like then for what you're trying to do? So um, the the program, if you were a full time student, is three years. Okay. Um, and I like over time, I was realizing that I needed more balance between um, family and my faith life, um, and and school, and so I decided after the first year of being like full time, yeah, I'm gonna do three more years of just part-time okay. so that I can, you know, do everything that I, I would like to be doing, Yeah, you know? And then, um, after that I will be trying to, I'll be working to get my hours to be eligible to take the, um, licensure exam. Wow. And, you know, I, I, I right now I'm still trying to figure out what population that I would like to specialize in, mm. but I'm finding more and more of my heart, um, being pulled towards um like trauma um being pulled towards you know helping family members that are are dealing with the loss of suicide um grief grief, grief counseling is okay mm -hmm. um veterans too yeah you got um, that angle too yeah and 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 also teenagers i think that's because of amp i <laughs> i used to be so terrified of them and then i don't know like <laughs> Like, Jesus has really given me a heart for teenagers. They don't bite. <laughs> oh, they used to terrify me. Yeah. They scare me a little bit, too. So, <laughs> yeah. I've been doing it for a bit. Yeah, because you... When did you start? I didn't even know you were doing high school ministry in Hayward. With, um, with DJ, with who DJ. I, I talked to a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I... Uh, so, it was like last spring. Um, so, Pastor Will was really great about... After I left staff and I started school, he was like, I'm so happy that you and Erwin are going to be coming to Hayward. Mm. Do me a favor. How about you guys um, rest for a little bit? Because, yeah. you know, he knew like like Erwin was running teardown of Kidman in Fremont. Right. Um, and I, you know, yeah, just it's. Now you're planting a church. So. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, the weight hasn't gotten lighter. Right? Yeah. So he was just like, just come, you know, be fed. And, and when you feel. Like God is saying that you guys are ready to um, start to serve again, you know, let me know. And I kept praying about where I would return. Um, and I don't know. Uh, AMP was the thing that God had put on my heart. And so I walked up to DJ and um, this seems to be the reaction that all guys say to me now when I say, when I offer things they go are you serious <laughs> but he just kind of was just like wow really? yeah okay really yeah dude well okay the real f word in the church world is recruitment 
<laughs> that's the one it's like how am i going to get people to do this like they're not obligated to it's all volunteer but like i don't just want people to do things like this is an amazing thing to do please come and do it but to have someone just walk up and be like hey i want to serve with you you're like oh cool like yeah really are you sure <laughs> like I don't, I don't have to convince you <laughs> yeah I, I i also like i want to i want to put out there like we we were just talking about you know the importance of invitation for us leaders, but for all of the people that do attend a church and they want to serve, but they don't know where, or they feel like everything's taken care of. No, 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 it's no. Not. We, we ministry leaders, we love people that come to us and say that they want to serve because yeah. help is always wanted. Yeah. You know, all you got to do is just walk up to somebody and say you're interested and yeah. you know, we'll take it from there. Yeah, and it's not, it's a weird thing with me is when I think about that. I always feel like I'm inconveniencing somebody by asking them to do this thing. Can you commit to coming every week and doing this thing every week? And, and I, I started to shake that and say, that's dumb. Yeah. Because I don't feel inconvenienced by having a front row seat to witness God changing a person. Mm -hmm. you know. And I do, I do the kids, the grade school. Yeah. So I get to see, I get to see him making himself real in the mind of like a first grade, third grade, fourth grade kid. Mm -hmm. So where else would I rather be? Am I going to be over there drinking coffee and having a donut? Heck no. I'm going to be right here and just watching this happen. Like, come with me. Let's go do this together. It, it's not hard to invite someone to that. It's hard to say, hey, I, I, have a, I have an opening and I really need someone. I need a warm body with a pulse. <laughs> <laughs> Can you feel that? That's lame. I won't do that. But yeah. Join me. It's cool. And you got to go to the summer camp. Oh, that was amazing. Rock and water. I talked about that with DJ too. He said it was really good. Oh my gosh. I, I like I I'll I'll be honest. I actually worked out for a full month before oh, yeah. we went. You got to get ready. Yeah, cuz I I I didn't want to be the old lady that was holding the group up. <laughs> so, um Christian boot camp. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> it it was just so amazing to see I was seeing these young kids conquer. Yeah. You know, their own demons and push through their limits and it was it it brought so much fuel for my own faith yeah. it's like why would you not want to be a part of that yeah exactly Who, who'd want to miss that it's beautiful yeah i feel that way every time every time we go to a camp or winter camp or summer camp or whatever I know. I'm. I'm. Like, there's I'm, nowhere else you want to be. I'm so excited for for winter camp coming up, um, and yeah, I, I like uh, DJ is is another one that's so amazing that you know I'll, I'll be honest with you. My first, so I had like one tryout Sunday with with Amp, hmm. and the the first meeting I was like, um, no, I'm not coming back. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think it was a little bit like that. That first meeting was a little wild. You know, I didn't know what was going on, and, and I was just like, I can't do this, you know? Yeah. And DJ and his wife, Vicky, came over to um, our place for dinner, and um, they just wanted to talk about the experience. And I was trying to think of, like, how I was going to turn them down, you mm. know, let him down gently. But DJ has this way, um, his heart for those kids, yeah. it makes you dream for his ministry. Yeah. Um, that is, it's, it, it's such a great kind of, of leadership and um, I found myself saying yes and then I had another chance to be with the kids and it was like no turning back <laughs> you know 
no turning back. Yeah. That's become one of those like non-negotiables in my schedule. Because mm-hmm. I don't you know, I don't get paid to do AMP. Uh-huh. But that's volunteer, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like I, I will be there. You know, especially as I, I'm, I'm the sophomore guy's leader. And I have been since they were eighth grade guys. Yeah. It's like, how could I not do at least three more years? <laughs> like, let's take them all to 18. And then we'll see if I want to go back and go fishing for, like, what, seventh graders again or something to start again. But, yeah, I wouldn't miss it. I mean, it's, it's the greatest thing when I come on a Sunday and the kids, like, run up to me. Yeah. You know? And yeah. Oh, it's, it's just awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm like, we've got a pumpkin patch, uh, trip coming up. I'm really stoked about that. <laughs> Going out to the farm. Yeah. We're all, we're, uh, all, oh all the amp families are going to go and, and hang out. That's fun. Um, and so, yeah, that my, my twins are actually quite excited about that one. <laughs> How old are they now? Oh, they just they... turned six. Both six. Yeah. Wow. And, um, to, to the, the talk that you guys had, they're, they're actually in Kajukembo now. Um, you and DJ were talking about yeah. Kaju. Yeah. yeah, they they started. They're they're um, in the the Tiny Dragons class oh at a buddy gosh. of mine's do, uh, dojo. Ah, it's gotta be the cutest thing ever. Yeah. I want to see that. <laughs> I gotta go and just watch. It's adorable. Lethal midgets. <laughs> well, because because they told me that they want to be ninjas when they grow up. So oh, it's, okay. this is part of that plan. Well, at least they're yeah they're on the right track then. <laughs> be a ninja like DJ. Well, wow, this is great. Uh, Jen, we've been talking for two hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, man, what a, what a blessing to hear this story. Man, it, it's so cool to hear, like, your your growth, but also, like, just these big punctuations, the military, Irwin, having kids, on staff, your brother, just, like, what do you think is, uh, what do you think is next? Like what are you what are you learning right now, warming you up for the next thing? I mean, you're not done. No, I'm <laughs> right? not done. You're not old. You're slightly older than me. And I I'm like twelve. So what's next for you? You know, I so I, I still find that I, I hit these stumbling blocks, especially in grieving, and, and this is for anybody that is going through grief. Um we have we have these, and I, I maybe it has to do with like workplace policies on, <laughs> on grief where they say, oh, you can take this many days off. Right. You be know. done. Be done grieving by then. Yeah. Come back. Yeah. And so I think we mistakenly have this idea that there is some kind of like end date mm. to the pain, and um, mm. that's not necessarily true. I, um, the waves of grief that I felt much more constant when this when I first lost my brother. Of course, it's 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 dissipated. Um, to it's not as regular nowadays and, and sometimes I can f- like falsely believe that I'm I'm done you know yeah. um, and and I've, I've learned what what God has shown me through this and mm. you know all that and then I'll end up on the floor again crying and realize like mm. that was all false um, so I have to let go of this idea that um, that that pain is gonna end for one yeah um, I also uh, have learned that there's so many wonderful things that have come from um, come after the, the loss of my brother where my older brother and I are 
much closer than we were before. Mm. Um, my parents and I are com communicating and talking about um, what what we're going through and the pain that we feel in ways that they never used to talk about. They live with me. If you had told me that I was going to invite my parents to live with me <laughs> um, in in the, the age that I'm at, I would have told you, like, you're smoking crack. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but no. Um, but, yeah, they now they are in, in in my home and I'm hoping that they will see how much they need Jesus hmm. you know that that my par my my parents will see my family's walk and realize how much they need um, Christ because surprisingly enough they don't go to church anymore right and I've invited them you know and sometimes they will come um, but it's 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 been a tougher road for them yeah than I would say for for my older brother and I because you know we have the church, we have the Holy Spirit, we have Christ yeah. to lean on. And sometimes I think that they're still trying to do this grief process in their own power. And um, I, I, I have to stop feeling guilty about the great things that have come about mm. because sometimes I'm, I'm like, oh, like, look at, look at the way that the loss has removed a lot of the old things that I used to worry about yeah. and changed a lot of my priorities. Um, those are wonderful things, but then I feel guilty because it was at the cost of losing my brother. Right. But um, I have to let go of that, that false belief that I can't find joy um, in this, in this pain. Wow. Um, and there was one thing where when we were when we were on the women's retreat, I remember they asked us to pin on the cross um, something that we are struggling with. And that Friday night when I was praying, the thing that kept coming up to me was my broken heart, how broken hearted I still was. And then at, we went through the whole retreat process and there was some wonderful breakthroughs that I went through in my quiet time with God and. Mm. And, you know, breaking through a lot of the old false beliefs that used to just hold me prisoner. And um, this on the Sunday, they were asking us to take that thing off the cross, rip it up, throw it away and put our new belief. And I looked at the broken heart thing that I wrote and I said, you know, I don't want to throw this away hmm. because this broken heart brought me cl the closest that I have ever been to my savior yeah. And it made me rely on him more than I ever have in my life. And I don't want to throw that away. Hmm. And I can't look at, I, I have to see the beauty in all of this. And so yeah. I changed it. I changed it where I just flipped that thing over. Hmm. And I talked about how right now I feel I'm in this space where God is regenerating me, changing even the way that I see myself, changing the, the way that I look at the world and renewing so much of what I thought was gone. Because wow. even before my brother passed, man, there were so many chains that I, that, you know, I could imagine like sticky notes that people were sticking on me hmm. and I was just taking it and believing it and believing that I couldn't do this anymore because this person said, you know, this person said this about me. And now after these two years of, um, just holding on for dear life. Um, I'm in this like new phase of like, who, who is this? Hmm. I don't know who she is, but,
but I'm excited to find out. Wow. I don't know if any of that made sense. That makes total sense. Okay. I want to find out too. <laughs> Man, that's the one thing about doing these interviews is like the, the stories aren't over. You no. know, you're that's right up to right now. Yeah. And we get to see what's next. You know, a, a student asked me a question a couple weeks ago. And they said, like, can we can we ever really like be going away from God? I said, that's interesting question. Because, mm -hmm. you know, there's times when and the context of that was like, you know, this student just wasn't feeling close to God. Mm -hmm. so I, I, you know, during summer at camps and stuff, I felt close to him and we were talking, you know, I was reading the Bible and now I, I just don't feel like doing it anymore. You know, and then this this thing happened and that thing happened. And, and it's just like, I I don't know, I just don't feel like we're on very good terms. Um, you know, but like, can we ever like go away from him? And I, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? It, what I know is that when, when Christ was on the cross, he said, it's finished. Mm -hmm. And that includes stuff that hasn't happened yet. We're sealed. Mm-hmm. And then he also promises that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called to his purpose. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And it, it struck me that it seems like these these times when we are down or when we're in the valley or we feel far from him, all we're doing is discovering the next thing. Because we're going to learn. Yeah. We're, we're going to come out of it. We're going to be different people we're going to have different lessons and this this process is only actually bringing us closer to him even though we feel further away you know as we go through these grief cycles or just i don't like god right now i'm still moving towards him mm -hmm. i'm the clock isn't ticking backwards i'm secure for eternity that's where i'm going and all i'm doing is uncovering this pathway to get there and sometimes it's ugly and i, I think you're you're sweeping off some more bricks on that pathway. Yeah, and I. Um, it was such a. It was it was it was one of those things where um like I I felt like everything was literally ripped out of my hands, hmm. um, and, you know I I I think the, the last two years I've just kind of been sitting and looking at everything and going okay, um, what am I. What, what have I learned? What am I going to pick up and take with me? Hmm. Um, and, and what have I realized um, is just so, like, so unhealthy? What are the unhealthy things that, I've, that I always used to do hmm. um, to deal with when things got rough? Uh, and I want to be able to take everything that I've learned this past two years and help anybody else that has or will go through something that my family went through and also to know like um i'm sorry i'm getting totally lost in my thought yeah, go for it but um, get lost <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm I, I feel like there's so many things in my head like running right now that i'm just kind of like what am i saying uh. um no but i i i i i feel so much how can i feel here's the thing i think that what i i think what i went through was probably was traumatic it was a trauma yeah. but um i'm gonna make it through because i have my faith 
Yeah. And I want people to know that that it's there for them for the taking mm. if they want it. And um, yeah, I just there's too many things that I've learned where I can't like <laughs> put it all in like one. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Yeah. God tends not to change. Right. No, we do. Yeah, we do. He's changing and refining and sometimes it sucks, but you know, give into it. Just mm. go with it. Jen, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. This was a, a blessing of a conversation to have. I love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. Whew! All right, and uh, that's where we leave it for today. Man, what a conversation that was. I'm realizing uh, I need to get some actual Kleenex or tissue <laughs> in my little recording studio here because, uh, man, she's had a heck of a life. But how encouraging is that? Just to hear how community has changed for her, how the gospel has become real, just absolutely changed who she is. Just to hear her excitement about what's next, uh, unafraid if it's not what she'd planned for herself it's uh what an inspiring lady this was great uh as always again you can follow us on facebook the great stories podcast uh pick it up on apple podcast or stitcher at the great podcast or the great stories podcast uh you can support us at patreon.com search for the great stories podcast and as always please if you'd like to be on the show or you know someone who you think would be amazing to sit down with shoot me an email at the great stories podcast at gmail.com. Until uh, next time, I love you all. God bless you. Huh. Well, hey, what are you still doing listening? Look at you leaving your recording going past the end of the show. My gosh. Well, you're in luck because uh, this is when I just kind of take a moment and uh, talk about kind of whatever is processing through my mind uh, at the time or whatever day it is. And there, there's a there's a theme. There's been something going on in my head that's uh, definitely going to produce some fruit. Uh, and this is this is how God leads me. See, I, I've had a difficult summer in some ways. There's been some challenges personally, just a lot of lot of changes in circumstance. And every time that happens, it just causes you to kind of pause and just consider uh, where you're at, where you're going. And I found that uh, I find myself in this struggle with God. You know, where on one hand I can say to Him. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for what you've done for me. You've given me more than I could ever measure. I can't believe the the blessings that you've given me and the grace that you've unloaded on me. I'm secure for eternity and just 
so blessed in ways that I can't even measure while I'm alive. And I will say thank you so much for that, God. But I also want all of this. I want financial security. I want to know what I'm doing. I want to be in control. I want people to like me. I want to be seen this way. I want to look a certain way. I want to drive a certain car. I want to add all of these earthly blessings on top of the gospel that I already know. And there's there's a very simple question, a very simple phrase that uh, has just been going through my mind. And really, what I, I've decided that for this year, an entire year, I'm going to devote my scripture studies and um, a lot of my just my personal mentor relationships towards this question. And the, the question is, is the cross, is Christ sufficient for me? And I think the reality of it is, yes, it is. But in a lot of ways, uh, you wouldn't know that by the way that I act or the way that I think or the things that I want. Is the sufficiency of the cross really all that I need? Or do I attempt to add things onto it? Uh, and that's that's a huge question. And, and it just seems to me like what a, what a freeing way it would be to live every day if I really, really believe deep down inside myself that his grace is enough, that the cross is enough, that the cross of Christ has done all that needs to be done there's nothing left for me to accomplish. There's nobody that I have to be. There is no minimum standard. There's no amount of status that I have to reach to be good enough, to be okay, that I can really be okay in any circumstance because I have the security and the sufficiency of the cross. Uh, that's my goal. I, I urge anybody listening, <laughs> that's, that's a good question that you can never go wrong asking yourself. Uh, and I'm asking it to myself really often. Um, so that's that's what's on my mind, and hopefully that's a blessing to you also. But uh, tune in next time. I'll put up another interview probably uh, in the next couple of weeks or so. It depends on <laughs> my schedule, really. Thank you so much for listening. See you later.